we are um, entering a new season on, the, on God's calendar, right? Um, next month will be really a new decade in the Hebrew year. It's in the Hebrew calendar. It'll be year 5,780. 5,780. And, uh, and on the Julian calendar, 2020. So it's like some people are coming up with a big, really deep revelation here. 2020, we're going to see better. Oh, that's really, really brilliant. <laughs> Did God tell you that one? That was 2020. Okay. So we're going to get 2020 vision for the new year. But I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned with the 5780. Uh, it's a new decade as well on, on God's calendar. And we've just been through the 70s in the Jewish calendar. The A-N, A-Y-I-N, is the Hebrew uh, name for the number 70. Every number also has a name, and it has a meaning. So their, their alphabet is not just an alphabet. It's very, very descriptive, very uh, uh, interesting to study the numbers and what they mean, okay? So the number 70, the decade of 70, was... I-N meant to hear. It was a decade of hearing. And I think we have had that. I think a lot of us have heard from the Lord. I think we've heard a lot from the Lord. We've learned how to hear from the Lord. A lot of us have learned how to develop a hearing ear and know that God has a voice. And if we'll listen, we'll hear the voice of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. But now we're in the 80s, and the 80s, that, that word is pay, P-E-Y, and it means mouth. It means an enlarged mouth or an enlarged voice. So it's, it's one thing to be able to hear from God. It's something else to be able to take what you hear and put a voice to it. And God's going to give us in the coming years a voice, a voice for ministry. A, a voice to influence, a voice to change lives, a voice to turn the world upside down, a voice to put the enemy in its place, a voice that will start declaring in the atmosphere, come on, amen. You, listen, you need a voice. Listen, you can be in a room all by yourself. You still need a voice. You know what? If nobody showed up this morning, I, st I think I should still preach to the atmosphere <laughs> and get you back the next week. I don't know why you would be missing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is going to be the decade of the mouth. I heard someone say this this week, and it really blessed me. It got me thinking, and it said this. He said, words, well, listen, words are literally vocalized breath. Think about it. You can't speak out without breathing. So your breath, which you got from God when he breathed life into you, whew, glory to God, he breathed a soul into you. He breathed his spirit into you, and now you're able to speak that out as you as you speak, speak, you're releasing the breath of God. No wonder it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. If we would understand, amen, if we would even understand the negativity of some of the things we say. 
How many know I can, we can preach a whole series here on what we shouldn't say to our children? What we shouldn't say to other people. What we shouldn't say to ourselves. Some of us, we're our own worst enemy. We get negative thoughts on our head. We begin to think this can't happen. This will never happen. I'm nobody. I'll never accomplish anything. Well, you will accomplish what you believe you'll accomplish. It's time to have faith, not in your abilities, but faith in his abilities. We need to start having faith in not your dreams, but we need to have faith in the dreams God gives you. Because if God gives you a dream, it has to happen. Take that, devil. I like Psalms 81.10. And, and I want to I throw The Psalms have this really neat custom. On their birthday, they read the psalm that corresponds to their age plus one. Okay? So go home today. However old you are, there's, there's, there's 150 of them, so there's one for everybody. Everybody. Unless you're 151. Go back to Psalms 1. So uh, go home, whatever age you are, Add one to that and read that psalm. That's your psalm for the year. Now, that's what the Jews believed. You can do what you want with it. Amen. I went back and, and read mine. It's called the Medicare psalm. Um, <laughs> on my birthday, it was like, happy Medicare day. Amen. It changed everything. So, so let's look at, so this is the decade of the 80s, so let's look at, look at Psalms 81, just one verse there, 81 and, and verse 10, I think it is. Psalms 81, 10, he says, I am, I am your, by the way, how many here are 80 years, I'm going to say, how many here are 79 or older? Stan. I shouldn't embarrass some of you. Will you give them a hand? Wait a minute. Don't sit down. Hang on. As I was preparing this message, God told me to tell you to not back down and not give up and be not weary because God is, God is aware of your situation, and God is about to bless you in your 80th decade. Can you give God praise? Man, we need thee. We need you. We need you. Oh, Lord, put that on my heart. And I, I'm sorry if I embarrassed you, but hey, if you're 80, <laughs> shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> well, there's 90 too, you know. Oh, Stitz couldn't make it today. Oh, that's too bad. All right, all right, 8110, I'm sorry. I am your only God, the living God. Wasn't I the one who broke the strongholds over you and raised you up out of bondage? Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak, so shall it be. For everyone that's 79 or 80 years old or older, I want you to 
claim this verse in the name of Jesus. You may not be able to get around like you used to be able to get around, but God is still giving you a voice. You know how to pray. You know, you know how it used to be. You know what it takes to see revival and a move of God. You were there when God moved, amen, back in the decades. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll just start proclaiming once again, hallelujah, you might be 80, but God is giving you a voice to, to speak forth greatness over this church, over your family, and over this nation. Amen. Ah, praise God. I remember years ago in the old sanctuary, this little old lady, I don't even, to this day, I don't even know who she is, but she was really old. She was bent over and could hardly move. And sometimes we just kind of overlook them. Come on. You young people, don't overlook older people. That's you in the future. I know, I know you're going to live forever and be 29 forever. I know. But we kind of overlook them sometimes. And this lady was just completely frail, could hardly walk. And the Holy Ghost, I'll never forget this as long as I live. This is like, this is like 25 years ago. And the Holy Ghost stopped me. And said, don't overlook this lady right here. She is a prayer warrior, and she sends demons running. Yeah, she became my best friend right there, you know. Don't overlook it. It's not about your body. It's about your voice. Amen. Well, my voice is kind of weak. That's okay. You can, it doesn't matter how weak your voice. It's how strong your faith it's not about yelling and screaming. It's about being able to get the breath of God out of you and declare with the power of your tongue and let demons run. Amen. Come on and praise you if you know what I'm talking about. It's time to declare, which means to make clear. It's time to declare the goodness of the Lord and the word of the Lord. Okay. So we see this. I want to illustrate this from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 4. And we, we made mention of this, I think, last week. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Next verse. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. Before. For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was, or you could say because there was no man to till the ground. Uh -huh. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Okay? So what's a mist? I got the definition for you here. A mist is a visible watery vapor suspended in the atmosphere near the surface of the ground. <clears throat> it's not dew. It's more than dew. It's not quite a fog. But we know what a mist is. And we can get up in the morning and say, man, it's, it's just misty. And the atmosphere is just full of moisture near the surface of the ground. And that was enough to keep the garden alive. It's beautiful, but when you think about it, it actually hinders visibility. Yeah. 
it actually hinders visibility. And as the temperature rises, it burns the mist off as if it never existed. The mist is good for what it is, but it cannot replace rain. It cannot replace a river. I'm afraid a lot of churches today are, and a lot of people, a lot of Christians today, are living on a mist, just getting by. You got to get to church on Sunday, or you you wouldn't even serve, you wouldn't make it another week. I'm living on a mist, and God said, "I can't, I can't do a whole lot with the earth. If I sent rain right now, there wouldn't be anybody to dress it, nobody to cultivate it, nobody to harvest it. So I'm going to limit how much grows in the garden." I'll limit it to just looking beautiful, but not very productive. I, I think today we got a lot of Christians that are looking good, but not very productive. Say amen or oh me, pick one. You know, go, go one way or the other with it. I, I like this back in 1982, David Wilkerson. I remember David Wilkerson. Amen. 1982, he made this prophecy. And I remember back then when he did it. 1982 was the year we moved up here to become your pastor. Almost 38 years ago. And he, he prophesied three things. I think we have it up there. He said, he, he said three things. He said, in the future, and I think he was basically talking about Pentecostal churches. He said, there will be an overemphasis on spiritual gifts rather than lordship. And he said, number two, there will be an overemphasis on praise to a God people don't even pray to. Just praising the Lord, but never really worshiping or praying. Oh, gosh. And number three, there will be an overemphasis on power rather than purity. It's good to have power. It's good to have praise. It's good to have spiritual gifts. But if he's not Lord and you don't have a prayer relationship and you're not walking in purity, the rest of it is just fake. Well, go ahead and get this. stay with me. Amen. But I think actually it's worse than that. I think today it's, more, it's become now more about talent than discipleship. I think it's become more about entertainment than it does worship. And I think it's more about pleasing people than purity. So I, I wonder how many of us are living on a mist. And the thing about a mist is, like I said, later on in the day, the sun burns it off. So it's like we live on a mist, but as soon as persecution comes, we live on a mist till something, uh, something negative happens in our lives, then we want to blame God and quit. Come on, hallelujah. I don't know why God would treat me like this. Oh, grow up. It rains on everybody. I mean, the bad rain. <laughs> Amen. How many, how many of you have ever had anything bad happen to you? Let me see your hand. You've, wow. How many of you have never had anything bad happen to you? Yeah, that's what I thought. So quit acting like a victim. 
Come on, we've all had stuff happen to us, amen. But if you just learn how to use that for the glory of God and turn it on, on its head and just right back in the face of the devil, amen, God can use every negative thing that's ever happened to you. Quit acting like a victim. As long as you're a victim, you don't have any victory. If you classify yourself as a victim, there's no hope. If you want to live as a victim, there's no future. As long as you're a victim, that's all you'll ever be. So quit acting like a victim and quit trying to get people sympathy and step out in the name of Jesus and say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. Woo! Praise God. Amen, amen. So we see in Genesis, we see in Genesis, I think it's, Chapter 2, verse 10, we see in Genesis, all of a sudden, God says, a river just goes poof. And a river is seen, and it's coming out of Eden. So, that, so it just says a river pops out, right? And it divides into four different rivers. And it, and it doesn't say God created it. It just says, and then a river flowed. But I want you to catch the wording on this because it said the river flowed out of Eden. It didn't flow through Eden. Maybe it did, but the, the point of the scriptures is that it, so, so, the, part, so the thing is it, it flows out of Eden. If God's restoring us through salvation to the garden, then there should be a river in us that's flowing out. It's not a river that you just play in. I think a lot of us, not only do we not have rivers, we don't even have lakes. Some of us have mud puddles. It's just, a, a, just an empty place in our lives that God rained on. And we get a little puddle to play in. Do you ever see the little two-year-olds? Kyle's got these shark boots, and man, he... If he sees water anywhere, he's going to get in it. He's going to play in it. Amen. Or, or, or we sit by the lake, and we don't get in the lake, but we just sit there and say, oh, my, what a beautiful view. When God wants us in the river. Because if you're in the river, you're moving. Amen. He doesn't want you to just live in paradise. He wants you to go out of paradise and be effective for the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't want you living on a mist. He wants you in the river. In the river. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the river. And you just go with the river. I like what it says in Ezekiel. Wherever the river went, life springs up. Amen. So all of a sudden, life starts springing up wherever the river is because God created a man. So God said, now I got a man. I'm going to bring a river. I'm going to bring a river. There's still not, it's still not raining. It doesn't rain till Noah. But it, there is a river. There is a river. And I'm praying, oh, God, give us a river. And get us in the river. We want to get in the river. Not just put our toes in the river. Not just a feel good, but a go somewhere kind of experience in the river. How many are hungry to get in the river? It's time to get in the river. But you got to be hungry for the river. I was reminded, I wasn't going to preach this, but I was reminded this morning 
that I can't make you hungry. A preacher can do a lot of things, but I don't know that it can make you hungry. If you're full of junk and I put a steak and lobster in front of you and you're like, I'm full. I'm full. I just, I couldn't eat another bite. Why? Because you just ate five Twinkies. You're full, but it's a lot of empty calories. I don't know that your body's doing anything. You're probably going to last longer after you die. They won't even have to embalm you. (laughs) They say today they almost don't have to embalm people anymore because of all the Twinkies we eat. That's that's, that's, That's science. We've got so many chemicals in us and so much junk in us that our bodies don't even break down anymore. The worms say, I don't want it. So a river, (laughs) you're not praying for me. A river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four river heads. Now you can't, now I know people have tried to find, they got the Euphrates. You know, they they think they can find the rivers. But remember Noah's flood? (laughs) Kind of wiped out the rivers there and probably four new, new rivers. So don't try to find them today. But listen, God wants us to have to be in a river. Listen, it's not just a cup, Psalms 116, verse 13. It's not just a cup. He said he talks about the cup of salvation, right? And, and, and you know what? It's not just a well. In Isaiah 12 and 3, he says, draw from the wells of salvation. So now you're drawing from the wells of salvation. But in, but in John 7 and verse 38, he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being will flow, river, will gush rivers of living waters. He wants that river to come out of us. A river that divides into four sections and can bless and water the garden instead of living on a mist. Just real quick, I love the meanings of those four rivers. One one is the Pishon, and it means increase or free-flowing. Reminds me of John chapter 1, verse 16. Out of his fullness we are fulfilled, and from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. That's the kind of experience we need to have, a river that is increasing and free-flowing. I like that river that comes out of Ezekiel, uh, comes out of the bottom of it, because it gets deeper and wider. Listen, the only way a river gets deeper and wider is if tributaries flows in it, Right? More water has to flow into it. But this river, nothing's flowing in. It's coming from under the sanctuary door. But the further it goes, the deeper and wider it gets. This is nothing but a miracle. God will take what you do and make it deeper and wider without your efforts, without any other thing flowing in. All you need is the cross. And all you need to do is walk in the Holy Ghost. And God will move you from a mist. To a river. Ah, praise God. Then you got Gihon, which means bursting or gushing forth. Amen. 
There's the second river. John 4 and 14 describes this. But anyone who drinks the living water I give him, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Woo! How many can say that describes my life? Mud puddles. That's the way it ought to be. Say, that's the way it ought to be. Then you got hedekel, hedekel. And hedekel means darting and swift as an arrow, as an arrow reaching, going to its target. That's that river. Uh, we see that in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So, and rain comes from clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. Glory to God. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He gets joy in just knowing you belong to him. Wow. Even with all my faults, yes. Oh, you're all perfect, so don't worry about it. Just, just ignore that. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I've got a book in my library. It's an old book, probably, probably from the previous century previous. I don't know, it's three or 400 pages, and it's entitled Looking Unto Jesus. And there's three or four hundred pages just on those three words. Looking unto Jesus. Keeping our eye on the finish line. Knowing where the river's going. Staying in the river. Not getting out and getting sidetracked. We're in a race. But you can't stop and say, hey, how you doing, Uncle Bob? You know? And uh, while people are cheering you on, you're taking bows. Stay in the race. Get your eye off the crowd and keep your eyes on Jesus. Does that make sense? How many are still here? The last river, and I'll be done, Euphrates. And the Euphrates means sweet and fruitful, to break forth and abound. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. In other words, when you go to that family reunion, you need to smell like Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow, smell like Jesus. You're just, those little cards you give out, they smell like Jesus. Come on. I, I don't know that you should make it about the church. I don't, don't make it about, you know, how bad they are. <laughs> just make it about Jesus. People don't want to talk about church much anymore, but they still want to talk about Jesus. They still want to talk about Jesus. And that's what we need to do in these last days. That's what we need to do in these last days. Listen, we are in a time of acceleration. Say acceleration. 
It's going to be an accelerated harvest, accelerated opportunities, accelerated restoration, accelerated power. Oh, I feel this in my spirit. I'm just waiting to see how God's going to do it. But we have got to get to the place where we don't just show up on Sunday. But we start developing a voice. Pastor, does that mean I have to go out on a street corner like Julie and just start preaching? Yes. No. no. <laughs> baby steps. Baby steps. You know what? You know how it starts? Coming in here on Sunday morning and raising a voice in praise. I really believe it starts there. If he be lifted up, he draws all men. Come on in. I know it's talking about the cross, but now it's still, it's still talking about when you, when you lift up Jesus. It just draws everything. You know what? I read the other day people say, nobody hardly ever sings in public anymore. I mean, as a group. Think about it. Where can you go where there's public singing? Almost nowhere. People used to do it all the time. All the time. I grew up with public singing. Any of you do that? Anytime the relatives come over, my, my dad on the weekends, he had his own band. Country Western. And every once in a while, they break out the polkas. <laughs> my uncle had an accordion. And they said, all right, it's, it's time for a polka. Hey! I, I grew up singing. And, and the family would get together. We'd all sing. The, we all knew the words to all the country songs, and we'd sing them all the time. Nowadays, it's all about entertainment. It's all about large thousands of people, and none of them are singing. <laughs> They're just listening. And that has spread into the church. Now people come to church, and they just sit and listen. And if it's not their favorite song, they just tune out and start doing their grocery list. It's time to come to church and sing. It's kind of a problem because the better they are, the more we want to just listen. Isn't that weird? And churches now are pushing this. We got to have, you know, and I believe in excellence, but their, their worship teams are so good. They're as good as anything out there in the world. So people just come and listen. It's time to come and sing. The Bible says sing unto the Lord. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Amen. But let's just sing unto the Lord. Amen. We're not here to entertain you. You're, you're here to sing. Get a voice. Raise a voice. If you start understanding you're not just singing a song, you're declaring scripture. You're declaring truth. Amen. You're literally prophesying when you sing. It's like saying amen to what they're singing. It's time. It's time to get a voice. We need to make up our mind. I don't care how I feel the minute I walk through that door. I may not feel like raising my hands. I'm going to raise my hands. I may not feel like singing today, but I'm going to sing. Amen. Raise a voice to the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, that voice is powerful. We're not here to listen to a song. We're here to sing the songs of Zion. Amen. 